I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. Many have concerns for the Afghanis that have been left behind. University of Utah law professor Amos Giora is from Afghanistan and actually joins us now from his home in Israel uh, to help us just go beyond the headlines. I think that's such an important thing for us to do, especially today, is to let's peel this back. Let's get let's get past just the big, bold headlines from whatever political perspective uh, and let's really look at it, what it actually means uh, for those who live there. And, uh, Professor, thanks for joining us today. It's, as always, a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Uh, so give us a, give us some perspective, again, kind of behind the scenes. Um, you obviously uh, know people that are still in Afghanistan. What are you hearing? What are you seeing? What are you sensing? I think that, you know, if you look at this from the broader perspective, which you love doing, which I, which is why it's so engaging to be on your show, that the broader geopolitical questions are so profound. You know, we could sit here for hours, days, weeks, trying to analyze where the U.S. and in the world and the U.S. and the world go from here, what the world learns about the U.S. Um, but while having that broad conversation, which I think is essential, I think we also need to recognize that even if you support President Biden's decision, as I do, that the human cost that has occurred and will continue to occur is, is, is dreadful. I think that's, that's probably an understatement. Um, I think that those who worked with the U.S. and those who are perceived to be collaborators, collaborators broadly defined, um, to suggest that their lives are at risk is an understatement. Mm. And I also think if I were President Biden, you know, if I would be deeply concerned about the quality of the intel that he was receiving for Biden and his advisors to suggest that they were surprised at the speed with which the Taliban took over is either the ref- a reflection of, of a serious a systemic institutional institutionalized flaw in the in, in intel gathering or an institutional flaw in intel analysis those are two very different things i think we also need to you know take those into consideration i think also it's important to remember the wise words of churchill who you know, 100 years ago said that no for, no foreign power will ever rule dominate conquer afghanistan uh, you can ask the Soviet Union how that one worked out. And if I think also from an American perspective, um, President Biden inherited a total mess from Trump, who inherited a mess from Obama, who maybe inherited a mess from Bush. But at the end of the day, history will, will judge Biden as the guilty one or the responsible one. Yes, he made the call, but the call he made, which again, I support, if Obama and or Trump had, had frankly, the kind of courage that political courage yeah. 
that Biden did, then um, this never should have been on Biden's plate, but he's the one who's going to be tagged historically with it. And then one more comment and then I'll stop. But I think that the elephant in the room, you know, here I am in Jerusalem, the elephant in the room, whenever we talk about the Middle East is obviously Iran. And I think if you are one of the leaders of the, you know, the Emirate countries, Saudi Arabia, Dubai, Abu Dhabi, who've hitched their wagon to the U.S., I think the last 24, 36 hours are pretty sobering in terms of how you view the American commitment. I think that's a really, really important discussion point. Yeah. If you're just joining us, we have University of Utah law professor Amos Giora with us uh, and always love his perspective. Again, he's living uh, just outside of uh, Jerusalem in Israel. Uh, he is from Afghanistan. And uh, your perspective is just uh, so insightful uh, today as, as we look at all of those things that you just mentioned, Professor, from the geopolitical and the, the quality of the intel uh, to others in the region, knowing, uh, as you said, the elephant in the room is Iran and uh, and the undermining of that confidence, perhaps, in some of those uh, who uh, are allies uh, of the United States and have to be wondering today uh, how committed the U.S. really is uh, when when things get harder, things go south. I think I, I'll answer a bit of a quick correction. If I, maybe the connection is not good. I'm not from Afghanistan. I'm from Israel and in Israel. I had no people who served in Afghanistan, but I am not in any way from Afghanistan. Um, the geopolitics is, you know, you look around the world, I take it plus minus, boy, you and I are in the same age group, plus minus. So when we were <laughs> That's kids, very generous of was, you, Professor. The, the world was pretty simple. There was, the, there was the good guys, the United States of America and allies, the bad guys, the Soviet Union and their guys. And you had the non-aligned with Yugoslavia and Indonesia. Mm. It's obviously a totally different world today, obviously. Yeah. And the notion of, you know, Pax Americana, that America will be the forever the reliable ally. Uh, I think that's, that's a major shift. Again, with the understanding that, that people like me support the president's decision but I think um, that it is a really source, going to be a great source of concern um, for those particular leaders about what an American commitment means. And not only Iran, which is obviously you know the elephant, but I have no doubt that that you know Putin is looking at this, and I don't want to say chuckling, but chuckling. I don't know exactly how the Turks are reading this. Mm-hmm. I don't know how the Chinese are reading this, but I would imagine from their perspective, they see a, a U.S. I want to be careful with the with the language here. Um, you know, I'm not much. I'm not a boxer, but the U.S. took an uppercut here, at yeah. least in the in the from a from a visual perspective. Yeah, and pictures tell a thousand words. They, they do. And I, uh, Professor, I so appreciate this perspective and it helps us as we frame that whole uh, area of the world and how things respond. Uh, we had an interesting discussion yesterday in terms of 
kind of this narcissistic view that uh, sometimes our intelligence agencies have in terms of what they give to a sitting president in terms of intelligence. And, and often it's based on kind of this narcissistic, well, people will respond this way if we, you know, as the United States of America, act this way. Uh, and in many cases, that's that's just not the case. You pointed to the, the quote from Churchill uh, and that people have their own interest and in, in, uh to me, it's that example of China of everyone said, well, if we just invite China to the party and get them involved in, you know, in the economy internationally, they'll they'll follow the rules. They'll they'll be a good player. Uh, and while we've welcomed them in and allowed them to prosper with a, a lot of things economically, uh, you know, they still have not a great record in terms of human rights, of child labor laws, of, of stealing intellectual property and, uh, you know, polluting the environment. Uh, and so we have to get more of this uh, empathetic view of the world in terms of now what is driving, you know, the interests of the people in Afghanistan and, and uh, in the region there. Uh, Professor, before I let you go, just uh, one last uh, quick thought from you. Uh, again, your perspective is always so helpful in terms of framing these issues. Uh, what's the one thing that we should be thinking about relating to this region of the world that we're just not even talking about? One thing, and only one thing, right, Boyd? <laughs> <laughs> I'm only going to give you one today. That means I can get you back. <laughs> you know, I'm going to combine the two worlds, I, the two spaces I live in, right, between Israel and the United States. Yeah. I think there's a sense here in Israel that if there's something we learn from the U.S. and Afghanistan, the depth to which the U.S. doesn't understand the Middle East. Mm. I didn't. I ever. I didn't promise you happy news. I think that's. Uh, I think that's the answer. The depth to which the U.S. repeatedly, time after time after time, does not understand the the Machiavellian, nasty uh, politics that is the essence of the Middle East. You know, former Israeli Prime Minister Ehud Barak said. Um, number of years ago, I'm translating quasi because he said it in half English, half Hebrew. He said, we actually don't live in a nice neighborhood here. This is, this is, you know, the enemy of my enemy is my friend and all those other cliches that we all, you know, we know. Um, And I think the U.S. simply repeatedly, consistently misjudges the whole notion these aren't nation states as you and I understand nation states. Yeah. These are tribes that have we try to force them to come together. Like Iraq was never a country. It was the Sunni, the Shiites, the Kurds. There was no Iraq. There was no Afghanistan. And for the U.S. to talk about Afghanistan as a nation state, you know, as um, in the Western sense, it. it Afghanistan is Afghanistan, and you yeah. can't, you know, create something that it is as you, as we understand. It doesn't mean that it can't exist for them. However, the hell it exists for them is fine, but it's not how we we're going to do it. And yeah, we try to force ourselves on them time after time after time, and here we are. Yeah, oh, great insight, uh, Professor Amos Giora is joining us uh, from Israel. 
great perspective. And we're going to have you come back and help us understand that better because clearly the United States still doesn't understand the region uh, in the way we need to, to be better partners, to be better allies, and to understand who the enemies are. Uh, critical stuff. Always appreciate uh, Professor Amos Giora joining us from the University of Utah his home in Israel. We'll step aside for quick talk of the hour news. When we come back, much more. John Smith's going to help us understand what we should be saying to veterans who served in Afghanistan. You don't want to miss that. Stick around. We'll be right back. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.